Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. We are the Houdat Jedi Council for episode 140, if you're keeping track. Um, I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. And uh, tonight, our, uh, um, we have a very special guest that has a very special story of how he became our very special guest. Um, welcome, J.P. Morell, um, city councilman from uh, the great uh city of new orleans so welcome thanks for having me I, I appreciate being before the council it's not ominous <laughs> or anything nothing nothing <laughs> bad happens when anyone goes to visit jedi council i mean it's always Never. Ends well so the the funny the way this all happened was um you tweeted out a picture um so that's the first thing twitter is dangerous you tweeted out a picture of you in your office and there was all sorts of um marvel stuff and am I wrong? Did I see a dark saber? On it was the... a dark. It was a dark saber, and honestly, probably my favorite poster in my office. It's a Mandalorian poster, and it's him and Grogu surrounded by stormtroopers, sort of like a kind of that Wild West kind of like Magnificent Seven kind of feel. And yeah, it's a dark saber. It's... So, so Dave then replied, um, "Wow, this looks like uh, somebody who should be on the Who Dat Jedi podcast." And, you know, kind of a yuck, yuck. And then all of a sudden, yeah, here you are. So, <laughs> um, by the way, on a, on a tangent, y'all know that Fan Expo in New Orleans, um, like so many people from The Mandalorian are going to be here. Um, really? Emily Swallow. So the armorer is going to be here. Um, Chubbs is going to be here. So uh, uh, Apollo Creed himself. Um, who? Uh, uh, oh. you, know, Ch- you know Chubbs is from here. I did not know he was from New and, Orleans. And fun, fun fact, fun fact. So start with sad fun fact. My grandmother, who's 98, just died last week. Oh, I'm very oh, sorry. But she married into his family from Donisonville. So when she and her last husband, she had two husbands, got married at a reunion, Chubbs was there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I just, I just, just yeah, it's all, it's like, it's like, uh, was it six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Six degrees of, of, of Apollo Creed. Wow. But also, uh, so uh, Moff Gideon is going to be there. Um, we all know Katie Sackhoff is going to be there. Um, I thought there was another. But, yeah, so now I'm like, man, I do have a Mandalorian poster that I could go get autographed. I guess I'll have to play some more gigs before that happens so I can pay for those autographs. Um, but, yeah, so... Anyway, that's what we saw. We saw on Twitter with this like, and then lo and behold, here you are. Um, I don't know if you've listened to any of our episodes, but we talk mainly about Star Wars. Um, we do talk some MCU stuff. You had a lot of Captain America stuff hanging around. I do. Um, so we'll get into your nerddom, but uh, we have to initiate you into the Jedi Council, and we're going to start off with Star Wars trivia. Now, these are from the uh, Trivial Pursuit DVD game, the Saga Edition. So it's episodes one through six, no sequels. Um, okay. So we will start with Dave. And uh, my rules are, whichever the first question is that I see, I read it regardless. So sometimes we get really easy home runs here. Um, so Dave, who orders Queen Amidala's party to use Ascension Guns? To take the quick route upstairs. Oh. Uh, Batman called. He wants his weaponry back. <laughs> um. 
Gosh, I always get the, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Was it Panaka? Oh, look at that. Yes, it was Captain Panaka. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were sweating there for a second. You, that, way to play that one up. All right. Um, all right. Fredo, to you. Mm-hmm. What bureaucrat reports that the emperor dissolved the imperial senate? If this was a video uh, yeah, podcast, a you would have here. you would have seen Fredo roll his eyes at that question. So, uh, that would be the one and only Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes, for for a long time, I always thought it was Grandma Tarkin, but um, that's then I learned. All right, so JP, to you. This is, this is daunting. These are these are deep cuts. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna <laughs> set expectations low. It's well, actually worse. It's worse when you get a softball because then you really feel the pressure. I, yeah. I, I think he's going to like this question, though. Who tells okay. Han, put that thing away or you're going to get us all killed? Oh, my God. Is that uh, is that Obi-Wan? No, it's not Obi-Wan. I, no. God, I have no idea. You're, you're in there. You're kind of close. Well, I mean, That's... If, it's, if it's not Obi-Wan... God, it's think not, about, it's think not about who was yelling at him most of the time. During oh, the talking about Leia. Oh there we God. go. Yeah, it's Princess Leia. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is wow. That was the, the, you turn that that oh. that complete strike out to a butt, and I appreciate it. I appreciate, well, appreciate you helping me out with that one. And because I'm an honest person, the first one I look at, this is going to hose me here, guys. What does the Trade Federation abbreviation MTT stand for? Oh, no. See, sometimes we get these. I, I because I play Wordle. I think I'm gonna. I'm just gonna use process of elimination. I think mobile troop transport, multi troop transport. I just lost my nerd card because I didn't know the name of that one. So my dog did in the background. So anyway, there we go. Star Wars trivia. We're all warmed up. Um, so all right. So let's uh, let's talk about that uh, that picture that you have uh that w- that we saw and like I said, it was on twitter with i saw a captain america shield I some batman figures uh dark saber some posters um I, just tell us what what kind of stuff interests you um are you are you mainly mcu does your nerddom kind of stretch out from all over well i mean mainly i'm mainly a comic book person like i'm a hardcore actual collect have box of comics person you see a lot of collectibles from the MCU because most of collectibles are MCU. They don't really make, I mean, unless you're going to buy like sideshow figurines that you have to spend a car, you know, a car payment <laughs> to get, you pretty much get MCU memorabilia. It was a weird angle because if you had a scene to the right, there was actually a giant poster of Jason Aaron's run on Thor. There's a giant Thor poster, which was like the epic Jason Aaron run. But now, I'm a big comic book comic book fan i actually learned how to read with comic books my mom was a teacher and a principal and i was one of those really stubborn not readers so she started giving me comic books and i started with like spider-man and captain america and batman and kind of just started picking up reading from there and i read some justice league this is when i was really little and i remember as a teenager i got super into spawn and savage dragon because nice. that was back when the creators were like flipping off Marvel and DC being like, you keep stealing all of our characters because we're writing them under your imprint. So they kind of went rogue. And 
for all my friends out there who watch the boys and watch, you know, watch lock and key. The whole reason why you have those really interesting stories is because those are all creators who broke away from the traditional comic book industry because they were tired of their work product. If you were an artist or a writer under Marvel or DC, if you created anything, they kept it. And so Savage Dragon and Spawn, absent the terrible, terrible movie that no one should ever see, um, were really kind of like the impetus for those very interesting stories that kind of are comic book adjacent. Like, I mean, you look at the the boys is a great example as far as like something that really took the comic book idea and turned it on its head. But no, I, I, I big comic book person. I love comic books. I mean, I like the MCU. It's very hit or miss. That was going to be um, my that was going to be my question because we we had during the pandemic, um, they get Dave and Fredo gave me homework because I think my wife and I had only seen like one or two of the MCU movies, and so with nothing else to do, we just watched a new Marvel movie like every night. Um, so I guess that's the question. How, as a big comic book fan, how have you embraced the? Uh, maybe what are your favorites of the MCU movies? What are your not so greats? Well, I mean, the worst, the worst MCU movie is Thor: The Dark World. I think anyone like Thor: The First One was passable, and it was because Kenneth Branagh got to do kind of like the Shakespearean thing with Thor, and it kind of worked. And then he, like, tried to go a hair too far into, like, Asgardian mythology and weird, like, Oedipus stuff. It was a mess. It was a complete mess, and it was awful. The worst MCU property, bar none, and I know it's one of your other questions, but I am a huge, massive Iron Fist fan. He's one of my top four favorite characters. The Netflix series pretty much killed off my love of Iron Fist. It was so bad. It was so bad. Was it, was it Caddyshack like, too oh, bad or No, it is it is like imagine if like there was a whole Star Wars movie and all it was was Jar Jar Banks with no one else. Just Jar Jar. That would be Iron Fist level bad. It was that bad. I mean it was it was awful. And I mean it took me a while to come back from that. Like I literally like I collect Iron Fist and I just had a stack of unread books where I was just like, I'm so angry that they allowed this to happen, that I had to take a break from Iron Fist, the comic, because it was so bad. Did you ever see the Defenders? The follow-up mashup series? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought Defenders was better because they minimized Iron Fist's role in it. I mean, it was largely Daredevil-driven, and mm-hmm. he's also, I mean, Daredevil is also one of my top characters. My favorite character, honestly, and I know we're going out of order from your questions. I'm just going off that, the rails. But... That's fine. Moon Knight is my favorite character in Marvel. I love Moon Knight. I think he is the most interesting character. And obviously I came to him as a character probably in law school, like start really hardcore in Moon Knight. And when you're dealing with someone with associate associative disassociative personality disorder and you're seeing like the layers to that character where like these basically three, four characters in one, and then as the characters evolve, his mental health issues have really taken like to the forefront. One of my favorite moments in comics was there was a whole recent storyline where Crazy Moon Knight was told by Akanchu to take out all the Avengers to go fight Mephisto. 
See, so beat all the Avengers, got ultimate power, had like Thor, Captain America, all their powers. He's hovering above the Earth and he goes, I am way too crazy to have these powers. And voluntarily gave them up because he's like, I'm nuts. And it was the most self-aware moment in the comic where he's like, I literally the most powerful character in Marvel, but yeah, this is the, not a great idea. And it was almost fourth wall breaking, but I love Moon Knight. I mean, the ser- the MCU series was okay. I mean, it did, they didn't iron fist it. But, <laughs> and I mean, honestly, uh, Oscar Isaac is a tremendous actor, so you really can't give him bad stuff. And Ethan Hawke was amazing as the villain. But, no, I mean, to answer your question, MCU as Disney kind of got more control over it and has really kind of, like, started to sculpt it through Phase 3 was great. Phase 4 is a train wreck. I mean, it's just a none of the movies are connected. It's all kind of all over the place. The movies aren't really – the TV shows aren't connected. It's just a drift. I, I would tend to agree with that a little bit. I just like the um... – I liked the Infinity Saga and, and how everything tied together and it felt fairly tight. It felt like one story and it was and I liked the way that it ended and I thought that we got a lot of closure for certain characters and it was just really, really good. And that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> and now they're like, we're going to try a bunch of different stuff. We're going to see what sticks. Some of it will stick, maybe, but... Uh, you know, it's I mean, certainly the, the new stuff is not... It's not as obvious how things fit together. I would agree with that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So. If, if you if you cherry-pick a couple of shows, Loki's a great example, and if you cherry-pick the shows that have that Kang the Conqueror direct tie-in, they seem like they're coherent. So I think Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania, I think they're going to be a couple of ones that actually attach and create that connective tissue. That'll be good. But, I mean, the rest of it's just one-offs. I mean, they, they're they just not connected. And, I mean, if that's the route they want to go into, but I think the expectation is we're having another Infinity Saga and there is no Infinity Saga. It's just stuff. A confession for me is that I get a little bored with the idea of the multiverse. Um it just feels like you lower the stakes for some of these characters if they you can kill them off and it doesn't mean anything oh here's another version of this character and they didn't really die and i know they did that in the comics but i don't know it it, it feels a little a little cheap um when i'm supposed to be invested and then they died but they didn't really die and well i mean it's yeah. I 100% agree with you. I think even in the comics, when someone dies, they have to like have a whole narrative arc to bring them back. In the MCU, they're like, oh, we'll just wave this wand over here, and they're back. And that's one of the great things about Star Wars, except for, and I mean, I don't know if we're going to get into this, Like, I, I'm a huge expanded universe person. And when Disney took over Star Wars, they're like, yeah, the expanded universe, all that investment, gone. Just chopped it <laughs> off and like threw it in a hole. And yeah, it kind of gutted me because I mean, I don't know if if you guys have read the expanded universe novels, but like, there's some mass. I mean, when I heard Disney got them, I was like, oh man, they're gonna do expanded universe. All I mean, it's mapped out for the next thirty years. It's like the comics, like you could use all these characters. And they were like, nah, we're gonna call that Star Wars Legends and throw it in a hole somewhere, and just, I mean, my dog 
You got my my dog's name is Chewbacca. That's how much I love Chewbacca. His name is Chewbacca. We call him Chewy. And I thought it was so awesome. The only way they could kill Chewbacca was to drop a moon on him. Like how bad my monkey. Is that dude? Sorry, because I put an E on your your, your podcast, but like oh, they, they, they get me drop all the a time. moon on Chewbacca to get rid of him, man. That's how awesome he was. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, you know Dave, especially you know, how it, you know the multiverse. It feels like cheating. You know, Star Wars went down that road in Rebels with the um, the world between worlds, where yeah, you know Ezra could go and and he saved Ahsoka. You know, and you go to your window and you save people. And, you know, I found it interesting, but some people thought, holy man, you thought that that was like, <laughs> they just uh, waged war on somebody. It was, it was kind of not well received. So, um, so I, I guess let, let's, let's talk about this. Um, we're, since we're talking about Star Wars, how, how much Star Wars, you've got a dark saber on your, on your wall and you have an X-Wing helmet according to reports. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but how much star Wars have you seen? Um, and, uh, like what's, what's your, what's your favorite? You've, you've referenced the prequels. You've referenced, uh, the original trilogy. My, I, I would, so I would say my favorite star Wars series was animated clone wars. Honestly, I think as far as like, what I thought most, most like, it was so great because the animated Clone Wars was like some some flower like grew out of a pile of poo, because the 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 pre you know the the prequel series the George was so bad, but Clone Wars was so good and they took the pieces that were kind of laid in those bad movies and made them like something really interesting. I mean that's where Ahsoka comes from is from Clone Wars. And their animated stuff's been pretty good. I've seen everything. Admittedly, I did not see the last Star Wars movie. I did not <laughs> see the one after Last Jedi, and I keep meaning to watch it. But I have so many, like a lot of my, like I'm gonna give y'all a deep cut over how big a nerd I am. I am so big a nerd that all like my kids are like so excited about the Cyberpunk video game. Mm-hmm. I played Cyberpunk pen and paper. That's how big oh, wow. a nerd I was. And so I got to expand the universe because when I was in high school, not because like I was a huge Star Wars nerd, it was because I had friends who were huge Star Wars nerds who were like, I know the movies is like movies aren't great right now, but why don't you go read this other stuff? So as far as like my favorite character, if I were to name my favorite character in all Star Wars, it'd be Jason Solo, who's from the expanded universe. Who they bastardized to create Kylo Ren. Correct. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. he's so much more of an interesting character because he was one of three siblings, although the solo kids. You had a whole, like, Anakin, another Anakin die. This whole thing that developed him, this whole arc that made him into an evil person. And it's like they took, it's like some bad Disney exec was like, okay. There's somewhere in a story a solo kid that goes bad. Let's just make a movie around that. And they didn't actually go through all... I mean, he was like a super good character, had a whole fall, a la Anakin, a la Luke. And they just, like, cut through all that, and they kind of bastardized Kylo Ren. But, I mean, Jason Solo was a much more interesting character. I mean, 
not to spiral off in the too much expanded universe Star Wars Legends, but I mean, and I always get the name wrong. So, Alfredo, you can correct me. The Yuvon Vong, mm-hmm. is that the name? Yes. The Yuvon okay. Vong, yes. Like, like the whole idea of a whole alien race of force resistant bad guys. I mean, like, there are all these things they could have mined to make better movies. And instead, we kind of got fan service and they made three movies that were like a remake of the first of the first three movies. If I was if I was a gambling guy, I would think that that was probably a line item in the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney because I was really because George, you know, allowed the expanded universe to happen. But he was like, go ahead. and Yeah, you, yeah, you can go ahead and write stories but it's not the story you know what i mean and i think right. his i think his ego got in the way so i, I think when it, like i said if i'm a gambling man i'd say it was probably a line item that says you can't use the, the expanded universe stuff however i mean they have been starting to work in a lot of those you know expanded universe characters like for example i assume i assume thrawn is probably a big uh favorite of yours yeah, Thra- uh, Thra- Thrawn's huge. I mean, so how did you like? Have you how did you like how they incorporated him into Rebels? And what do you, what are your expectations for? Obviously, he's going to be in the Ahsoka series. Well, I mean, I'm I'm concerned only because Thrawn is blue. He's and I I'm hoping that with what Favreau's been doing, it's all practical effects, and we don't see some CGI blue dude. I mean. For those of us who like follow Thrawn, especially like in the novels, like he kind of is like a worse Grand Moff than what you see in the books. And what's really unfortunate, because we're all, I mean, we're all different levels of geek or nerd. We've watched all the animated shows. We've got all the background. You've got people that only know the characters from the live action. Like, it's real unfortunate to me. Like, one of the great things... I think it was Rebels. My brain is kind of fried, but like when they reintroduce Ashoka and Rebels and had the whole fight with Darth Vader, and like the layers of like messed up that was, I just don't know if they're gonna be able to capture all the layers of messed up. Because I mean, they're supposed to bring back Thrawn. It's supposed to bring back Ezra Bridger, which I mean, how the hell you introduce him in any kind of way that's like makes him other than like a whiny Anakin like person without seeing how he got there. I mean, it's so easy. I could see him in a, in a show making him like, oh, here's that whiny, Force-sensitive Jedi-like person who's all got all this issues and rage and whatever. And everybody's like, oh, we already had that. That was the three movies with Anakin in it. Here's Anakin with black hair and anger issues. I just don't... See, we talk... I, 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 have, I have massive respect for what Favreau's been able to do because he took the Mandalorian, especially season one, and there weren't any Jedis in it. And I mean, for people who, for those of us who've watched and appreciate Star Wars, we know it's more than Jedi's, but for 99% of people, it's Jedi's. And I mean, you yeah. got people excited about something that. Have you seen Andor? I have watched the majority of Andor. Okay. I've got my, uh, the chief of staff for the city council is a is is a is a you guys level Star Wars nerd like super uber like hardcore nerd this guy Paul Harang and I have not seen Rogue One I know by Paul this is like, I've not seen Rogue One and I was oh. about to watch it 
when Andor came out. And so I was like, chronologically, should I watch Andor first? And he's like, you don't have to, but Andor's really good, and it'll make Rogue One more meaningful. So I'm like on episode halfway through 10 on Andor, and then I'm going to go straight from that to Rogue One. But I will tell you which something that's super interesting. Y'all don't y'all play a lot of Star Wars video games? Yes. Like it's like they've done a really good job at Disney on weaving the character through line through all the video games and the properties. Like Saw Gera is like in all the video games. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the if you've never played Jedi Fallen Order, it is one of the most authentic rooted in this new kind of good interpretation of Star Wars video games you ever play. I mean, it's it's it makes being a Jedi like more grounded yet also more bad. It's not crazy like, what was that crazy, crazy, it was that crazy, crazy EA game Oh, uh, Force Unleashed. Had, Force Unleashed. That was bonkers. You were like yanking, <laughs> yanking like star cruisers out of the sky and smashing them in a planet. It was like, whoa, if this guy ever existed, you wouldn't need Darth Vader or Luke. You could just run the whole world himself. Mm-hmm. Fallen Order really grounded in like the trauma and the drama of having been a youngling who survived the culling. And they've done such a good job of blending it all together. And the continuity is really in a good place as far as like the video games and the movies. So, I mean, if you haven't played Fallen Order and you listen to this, you should go play Fallen Order. It's, it's, it's amazing. So one they've of, done a really good job making Darth Vader absolutely terrifying every time he goes up. It's really interesting that you you bring this up because one of the big topics we keep coming back to in this podcast is having to do the homework. It seems like you like when a new Star Wars things comes out, you have to make sure you go back and you know watch this series or do this thing. And you said you haven't seen the the Rise of Skywalker. And right. that was one of my criticisms is because, I mean, spoiler alert, I mean, but they, part of it, it's like, you know, Palpatine is back and they say that right up front, but apparently people knew that because they played, what, what movie was it? Or what game was it? Was it uh, Jedi Fallen Order, oh, wasn't it? No, no, no. You mean, uh, you're talking about Fortnite when they did Fortnite. The it was Fortnite. Yeah. They yeah. had, yeah. yeah it no, was like tie, tie-ins are evil. That's different. The, 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 the selling all properties for tie-ins. I'll even say, like, honestly, as an action figure collector, collector, they spoil so much crap with action figure previews. Because you will know all the characters from a movie. You'll know who dies, who doesn't die, because they re they they release the character the uh, the 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 uh, the samples of the characters yeah. to buy, sell pre-orders. And I mean, like. It totally spoiled Black Panther's reveal that Shuri was going to be Black Panther. Sorry, spoiler if you haven't seen that yet, because they released <laughs> the figure like two months early to people to pre-order, and it was like, oh, this mystery has been solved because they wanted to make quick buck. Fortnite is the worst. I mean, my kids play Fortnite. I'm sure you have kids that play Fortnite, but like that, they monetize everything and they break everything. So that's just a whole separate. So we're, Le- Legos are, are up there with toys and, yeah. uh, and well, my, too. my favorite spoiler is was the we've talked about it before was the uh, soundtrack for um, uh, episode one episode where one. like like one of the tracks was Qui Gon's funeral and I was like <laughs> and, yeah. I mean 
you th you think they could have they they, they could have like maybe said like you know you know funeral pyre or something i don't know um so now we're at we're at the halfway point here and we've been talking about a lot of fun stuff let's we're maybe shift to a little bit more serious things one of the so we have a politician on the show and he's a star wars fan as well um, one of the things you hear a lot of people get up in arms about is get the politics out of my Star Wars. Do you think politics belongs in Star Wars? What do you think when you hear somebody say that? I think that if you look at all great sci-fi, it is thought-provoking and all of it has at least some perspective, some political perspective. I mean pre-Star Wars, look at the first sci-fi novel I ever read was Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein, which was a complete, like, take... I mean, it was a great sci-fi novel, but also was kind of mocking propaganda in government and how they how they use propaganda to mold people and to find a common enemy and to move them towards it. It was really an indictment on the politics of the time. I think it's hard to look at any successful sci-fi and it not have politics. I mean... You know what didn't have politics? John Carter. John Carter had no politics. It's also terrible. So, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where if you're going to have multiple layers to any kind of film or any kind of drama, I think you have to make it relatable. And it's hard to avoid politics in your life. I mean, you don't have to have politics. I mean, it's not like good sci-fi is like be a Democrat or be a Republican. It really talks about political themes. I mean, honestly, like, something I find very interesting is if you just, like, look at what Lucas did with the first three Star Wars movies, I mean, it, those were intensely political. I mean, Palpatine is sort of like if Mussolini and Hitler had a baby. And I mean, <laughs> and if you look at, like, as, as look at kind of how it grew the whole empire post, post the rebellion... It's almost like there's some elements of like some Putin in there too now. But I mean, I think people when they say we don't want politics in it, they don't want to feel bad if they identify with the political perspective in the movie that offends them. <laughs> but at the same token, I mean, like that's kind of how literature and pop culture is. I mean, the good stuff is thought provoking and promotes debates. Or and if I the mean, bad guy is it, named it, Newt Gunray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like if you're watching something and it makes you want to debate and talk about it, I mean, from what I've seen of Andor and I'm mostly through it, it is intensely political. Honestly, I kind of was making fun of Paul, the guy who's our chief of staff. I was like, you did not warn me this. This is like, this is like half colonialization half like the dysfunction and uselessness of government and the agencies that are meant to check other agents. I mean, watching the Senate operate in Andor under the Empire, you're like, this really reminds me of most dictatorships where you have paper legislative branches that the people think they're doing really good things and they're there for show and they're not there to be productive. You look at how the the tremendous themes in, in Andor about colonization People who had people who romanticize colonization and don't want to talk about how it infects indigenous people, they're the kind of people that are going to say, like, I hate the politics of Andor. Well, I mean, if you're a growing empire and you need resources and you find plants with it, you kind of strip mine them. That's basically what we did in real life 
in different societies across the world in history. I mean, it's kind of just the way it is. And I think that, like I said, if, if it if it generates debate, I think I enjoy debating people. I enjoy losing debates, believe it or not. I just like the I, I like the conversation, and it's just not interesting if right. you take politics completely out of it. So I would I would agree with that. I always said that I I like talking with people of of differing opinions because it, you one of two things happen either a you learn something or b you learn that yeah what i thought is absolutely it, it reaffirms what you're thinking um but i think that's a good segue in the next question is because um there's there's difference between debate you know honest debate and the toxicity that has started to bleed into some things especially and so we talk about we see you know toxicity and you know gatekeeping and fandom, um, and do you do you see that same thing? Uh, obviously, it's it's in our political system as well. What do you think? Where where I mean, this is just kind of a man. I'm all over the place here, but it's like right. where why have we lost that ability to, de- like you said, debate an issue without it becoming ugly, toxic hurtful honestly i think social media kind of kind of promotes hot takes where people they don't really it's funny because like back in the day this is like as a as a gen xer i'm even going before me back in the day when you have when you had to have letter writing campaigns editorials or even like thought-provoking reviews people had to put a lot of thought into a position before they put it out there you can't really talk about toxicity without talking about Kelly Tran and what she went through with Rose mm-hmm. in Last Jedi. I mean, that was completely nuts. Yeah. And it to your point with toxicity, there was so much rage and hate that was directed towards her as an actor playing a character when she really had no agency in what Ryan Johnson was doing with the with the film. I mean, she was playing a role. And people disagree with the role and rather than disagree ideologically with the role and how it was played out and maybe Ryan Johnson's vision, which I mean, love it or hate it, that was a vision for the film. It turned into you are now the focal point of my rage. And for this young actress to basically have to abandon social media from all the toxicity, it was, it was kind of terrifying. I mean, as, as, as a father of a daughter, the idea that I mean, you look at doxing, you look at you look at swatting, all the stuff people do. I mean, it's a whole different level. It's politicians in real life deal with similar stuff. I mean, it's amazing to me. Even back when I was in the Senate, people will look at an issue and they will do a hot take on every politician's position on it without actually seeing what their position is. It's almost like politicians get typecast, like oh. You're not progressive enough. So therefore, if a progressive issue comes up, JP's a son of a bitch on this issue because I know that guy and he's just not progressive. Now, do they actually go and see what my position is? No, they don't worry about that because that would require probably 15 seconds on Google to go like cross-check it. It's the same thing with like Kelly Tran. You look at what happened. I mean, generally speaking, whenever you have any kind of diversity take place in films that didn't previously have diversity people react violently to it. I mean, the first three Star Wars films, other than, you know, our smooth-talking Lando Lando Calrissian, 
not a lot of black people in the first couple of Star Wars films. And everybody was kind of cool because they're like, oh, I, you know, that's that's Billy. I mean, that's I know I I know Billy D. Williams and I like him. He's comfortable. But when you start to get to some of the other stuff and you saw the cast become more diverse, you have that kind of weird like hot take yet code where it's like these aren't the films I saw when I was a kid. These are so different, and it's really just for those of us who kind of enjoy a story. I just like watching the story for the story, and it's really unusual when you start to deal with people who have ownership over fandom. Uh, there was a huge issue when uh, in the in the Harry Potter sequel that was the production in England, they cast Hermione as a black girl. Yeah, a lot of people lost their minds. Same and, thing's happening with Little yeah. Mermaid. Yeah, right. Little Mermaid. Well, they lost their minds, and then when J.K. Rowling was like, "Hey, I always thought she was a black girl," then like the fandom like blew up twice, and now you're looking at Disney's redoing of uh, the Percy Jackson series, and they're making Annabeth a black girl, and it got to the point where the author had to go on social media and defend the person who was cast. It just happens too frequently. I think I, I wish people would do a better job of actually watching the product and seeing if it's bad rather than prejudging it. And I think same thing with like politics, like people will predecide the outcome of things. And I mean, it's partially in defense of people. Politicians are kind of awful and we kind of let people down. So I think when their <laughs> bar is set very low, they assume things are going to turn out terribly. But I at least they give. I, I wish they would give actors the benefit of the doubt that maybe what they're doing, they're not doing it for a nefarious purpose. I mean, just my opinion. So let's go. Let's go back to your. your uh, talking about your office here a little bit, and like we've been talking about geekdom and everything, and uh, um, and I was this way too. I was I was a uh, public school teacher in Nebraska for 19 years, and I would at least once a year come usually on halloween i'd come in my stormtrooper armor i had you know star wars stuff all over my desk um it, they they all knew it and, that, and i i embraced that part of me i mean so and you know as a teacher you're supposed to have kind of a serious profile as a councilman you're supposed to have kind of a serious persona um you you you're you're kind of like me it's like hey this is part of me this is who i am you have all this stuff in your mm-hmm. office but uh you, you have, like I said, you have, you're, supposed, you're a politician, you're, you know, a leader in this city, you're supposed to have a, you're supposed to be serious, but obviously you've, you've embraced, um, that nerd side of you. Um, how, how do you, I mean, and you, you have kids, how do you feel about embracing, I guess, keeping that, it's almost like Peter Pan, right? You know, keeping that child side of you into adulthood. Um, and have you found any benefits to that as, like I said, as a city leader, as a, you know? Well, I mean, I think a couple of things. The first is what you saw in that picture is but a fraction of how nerdy that office is. There's at least a solid wall of action figures that is like twice the size of that, of that poster wall. So that was like a sample of the full nerddom of that office. And there's pops everywhere. And it's just, it's, it's it's a thing. When I when I was in the Senate, I wore tennis shoes frequently. People would say, "Why are you wearing tennis shoes?" And I would say two things. One, you never get photographed from the waist down. 
and two, I'm not the kind of person who's ever going to wear dress shoes. It's just not who I am as a person. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten more set in that way in that I think part of what makes me attractive and easy to work with is I'm the same person no matter where I'm at. When I went into the council office for the first time, I have Jason Williams' old office. Um, they offered to get me to have someone come in from the NOLA collection, the New Orleans collection, like help me pick artwork for my office. And they gave me some examples of what Jason had. And, and I said, I'm good. And they said, why? And I said, just like my law office and my Senate office, I feel like your office should reflect who you are as a person, not who you want people to think you are. And I think that there's that disconnect. Honestly, I think it's kind of what undermines people's kind of faith in politicians in general. People feel like every politician is trying to show you a specific side of themselves so that you can be fooled into thinking that's who they are on and off camera. I'm the same person to everyone. I mean, that's kind of how I was raised. It's kind of who I am. I'm not interested in that facade. Uh, one of the, the best advice my dad gave me when cause my dad was a rep, he never let people get in the habit of calling you representative or senator or whatever, because once you get attached to the title, you become that person. And everyone in City Hall calls me JP. It's like, call me JP. But so the action figures, all that fandom, that is really a part of who I am as a person. I mean, all three of my kids, my 14, 11, six-year-old, my office that's behind this, you know, this deck is all action figures. And it's been something that, like, it, it makes me happy to collect action figures and remind me of all the stories and all the things I've enjoyed as a fan reading comics. But on another level, just because I think it's important to the benefit, like you said, of, of all that fandom, I find that some of the some of the things that inspire me are the stories I've read in comics about people doing things in kind of impossible situations. I mean, MCU aside, when Captain America started Civil War in the comics over this registration act for superheroes, that was one of the most intensely personal political stories of all time. I mean, basically you had the symbol of America captain america flip off the government for being overly intrusive and when you look at some of the things you have to do in government those are some of the things we have to deal with constantly there's always an effort by government you saw the whole fight we had with the mayor over facial recognition for example it's a very similar kind of thing where you have to balance what's best for people versus what big brother government can do to them um another one more recent story daredevil went to jail because there was both an instance in which superheroes were made illegal another one where he was accused of murder but as an attorney he believed in following the law and no one was above the law that's another thing we have to constantly struggle with in government because whether you're a politician or a bureaucrat people always want to create laws that have inherent inequities and all these kind of themes and these stories and these figures I look at they all kind of remind me of those different instances of when I mean, comics in a lot of ways for kids are really about aspiring to be something better than who you are. And in a lot of instances, I mean, talk about political. One of the first stories, two things I'll say about Stanley real quick, because I'm not trying to harp on comics on your Star Wars podcast, but Stanley was of Jewish descent and 
he was tremendously forthcoming about Nazis being bad before the world recognized Nazis being bad. There's a reason why Captain America is always punching a Nazi in the face. And though that's kind of like the thing now when Stan Lee and Kirby were doing that, it was not the thing. The other thing, which I always have to remind people of, is when Stan Lee created Black Panther in the 70s, he chose to make the most advanced country on the planet be a nation in Africa when that was not the coolest thing to do in the world. I mean, and this was at the time when the Black Panther Party was a thing. Mm-hmm. And now you look back, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It makes, it's a, it's, it's, it, makes, it makes complete sense. It's all whatever. But there's an element of almost anarchist glee in which comic book creators will take something that is a sacrosanct sacred cow and just kill it and say, let me show you what could be. And at times, it's a lot of precursors to what society will do. I mean, a lot of the things they push there I mean, the first, I would argue, maybe the first gay character in, in the first gay character in mainstream literature was uh, Northstar from Alpha Flight. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was, I mean, the first gay marriage that took place in modern media was him getting married to his boyfriend in a comic book. Mm-hmm. So it's like all those things are kind of like my fandom is part of who I am, my my embrace of like comic geekdom is who I am because I just feel like those creators have tremendous stories to tell. And when I look at an action figure or I look at something, it kind of reminds me of those stories that I read and kind of how they still inspire me in a way. So just as a quick follow-up to that, when people come into your office then, do you think that they like maybe does their level of concern go down a little bit because it's like... Oh, pe- people, I've, I've only had two people come to my office who did not completely geek out. <laughs> like I've walked into my office with random staffers from other offices and other parts of the hall taking pictures next to my stuff. So like, I think on one hand, my office is the least boring of all the offices. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Other hand, it's just, I try to have an environment in my office where we kind of foster creativity and everyone being who they are. I mean, if you go to any of my staffers desk, they all have random crap on it because I'm like, this is your space. This is your space you work from. You need to be who you are in your space and kind of everyone else be kind of damned about it. I mean, I feel like you're always your best person when you're being your most genuine self. And I kind of, I've always, I started with tennis shoes, but I kind of generally just kind of reject the idea that in order to be, in order to lead a city or to lead government in a good way, you have to present a facade of being something that you're not. I mean, honestly superheroes and kind of pushing the envelope is why I get a lot of crap from people. I mean, y'all see it because y'all live here. Like I take very pointed positions on things and I say things the way I see them. And a lot of that kind of reckless abandon and kind of embracing who I am is how I also do my politics. I mean, if I think something's wrong, I say it's wrong. And that's just kind of my reputation. Now for some people, it makes them very uncomfortable because they feel like being more measured is the safer way to be. And my response is I didn't really get into politics to like be safe. I don't really get into politics to stay in the politics. I mean, well, if the Senate, I thought I was out for good. I only came back because the city's on fire. And, you know, it's like that line from Batman, the city need I mean, I'm not the hero the city deserves, but I'm the one they need right now. 
Did I just George Bush that line? I think I just George Bush Bush it. <laughs> Christopher Nolan is somewhere like like is grabbing his ears, being like, someone has just ruined something beautiful. Because it's all part of the plan. That's all right. So I, 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 I probably do it all the time. Um, so, all right, happy almost Mardi Gras. Um, we have a quick question to just get behind the scenes here. You know, um, Chewbacca's, for example, uh, last year was rerouted, re- redirected very late in the game. Um, what goes into why? Why? What goes into those decisions? Um, like, why was why would a parade be rerouted, cut short, whatever? Is it is it staffing? Is it simply manpower, or is there something else and you, you don't have to go too it's, into the weeds I mean, but I, I wasn't on the council then my mom was a council member for 10 years so i i've had conversations with her about it this this mardi gras season the last couple have been kind of chaos um there is supposed to be a process for example um there is the mayor's like mardi gras mardi gras committee made up of the chairman of the various crews that are supposed to kind of set the tone for what Mardi Gras is going to be. That's largely been thrown out since right before COVID. And really what you've had is a city that's still kind of quasi operating under an emergency power. That's kind of making it up as they go along. And I mean, a lot of us thought last year was going to be an aberration, but even in the couple of parades we've had this year, they, had a parade for what was it so there were two there was a parade for one of the first opening college football games the same weekend as decadence and they literally cut the decadence route by a third to reroute police officers to this college football parade and a lot of us were really pissed off about it because we're like listen decadence that parade runs every friggin' year like that's something so like chewbacca they run every year and because this nice shiny thing happened over here you really this crew that took it on the chin for covid and for the and didn't even run the the next year afterwards they kind of got butchered at the last minute at a whim what we're struggling with right now as a council is that they're supposed to be an ordinance that controls all of Mardi Gras. And this is not Chewbacca. Chewbacca is kind of in a different group than the traditional parades. But just as an example, there's an ordinance that governs all of Mardi Gras. It's been such a train wreck. Last year, they didn't pass an ordinance. They just took a position of there was an ordinance passed in 2021 before Mardi Gras was canceled. And they took this weird legal position of we can use the old one. And we found out when the public found out, I think it was in October that the mayor and the crews were doing shortened routes again. And even talking to crews right now, the regular crews, they're really pissed off about the shortened routes because they're like, there's been no case made to us. We're told it's manpower, but there hasn't been like a physical case of manpower being an issue. And the the challenge you have logistically with Mardi Gras is that when you condense a route, you don't condense the people that come to the parade. Yeah. So really what you do is you're squishing people together yeah. on a smaller route. And so I know a couple of council members and I have been working together to try and figure out a way to force the issue to say we need to be able to try and move towards assuring people that whenever possible – there will be full routes because even though 
we're limited with NOPD manpower, there are a tremendous amount of other law enforcement agencies throughout the city, whether it be the Harbor Police, Levy Police, the University Police, we can really supplement and move these people around if we want to. And what the, the challenge we're having right now is we're really having a struggle fighting with NOPD and the mayor to say, you need to ask for help. Because at the end of the day, they kind of don't want to ask for help. Hmm. So to answer your question, it used to be a much more transparent process in the last two, three years. It's become less transparent. We're given the same excuses, excuse me, that y'all are given, but we're not given any receipts or any homework as to how they came to that conclusion. And I think for parades like Chewbacca and some of the other ones that are really kind of like the less traditional, but also very important annual parades, you're in an especially weird place because you're not treated equitably from the other parade. So they don't work with you in advance. They feel comfortable going up to you the day of me like, by the way, we're cutting you out by three blocks and you're going to turn left and then do a, do a jig to the right and then do a jig to the left and turn around. And that's something that we have to clarify and fix. Cause at the end of the day, there are a tremendous amount of people that take part in that parade, a tremendous amount of people that come out to watch it. Your crew is going to show up to run their route. And it would be tremendously unconscionable for y'all to show up to run your route. And they go, by the way, everyone's along your route. That's your traditional route. We're going to make it take a, take an elbow four blocks up and do a whole different thing. And that's something we have to fix. And I mean, I'm committed. I've, I've talked to Freddie King, some other folks to try and figure out how we give much more predictability and much more input from the crews on what those routes look like, because no one should be able to arbitrarily change your route, especially if it's a day or two out, that's still not enough notice. And mm-hmm. more importantly, if they are going to change a route, they should be have to actually explain why versus, you know, sure things which is kind of like what they're doing now for everybody oh you know issues so that was uh that man that was probably the most serious question we asked you and the most uh serious answer we've gotten so we're gonna we're gonna end with uh first of all i want to thank you jp for for joining us tonight and you're welcome back anytime you don't have you could just talk star wars with us you don't have to you know answer all these stupid political questions <laughs> but uh but we are going to end with a little bit of a uh, uh, little lightheartedness here and uh which of your fellow council members would you trust a lightsaber to if you could okay this this is a this is a difficult one and i put a <laughs> lot of thought into it and you know what we should have done is we should have had like name the lightsaber color for each one of the council members but anyway we'll go with the one we asked no, that, no, well, so. that, see you're getting way too deep cut there but so i thought about this and i thought about yoda and i thought about adventure excitement a jedi craves not these things and the person that came to mind was joe Druso because he is the he is the council member who is least excitable most governed by logic and least likely to start hacking off limbs of people with a lightsaber and if you've ever watched Joe on the dais, he speaks in these riddles where you have to like go home afterwards and figure out what he was saying. <laughs> and it reminded me a lot of when I first, when I, when I was watching old and new Star Wars, sometimes it takes a one or two times for Yoda to sink in. 
Plus, I mean, he's got, <laughs> his ears kind of poke out a little bit too. But yeah, so I mean, if I if I were gonna trust anyone with a lightsaber, it'd probably be Joe, just because everyone else is simply too temperamental and probably. I mean, I know personally, I would go all Anakin in a heartbeat. I think I'm doing the right thing and probably kill everyone. <laughs> uh, OT reminds me of Count Dooku. As in, he's somebody who is very well-meaning, very steeped in tradition, and things being the way they were. I mean, I could go down the list, but I mean, I think Joe, I think Joe would be the safest person to there go, go. To, definitively. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank again. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, welcome back at any time. Um, so, Dave, Fredo, anything for the good of the order before we sign off? I don't think so. Um, but again, I, I'll just echo and uh, thank you for coming on and uh, um, gave me some food for thought on a couple of things, uh, especially the parade stuff. I, I think like for people that don't live in the area, we have a few people that listen to the podcast and they don't live in the area. That, that Mardi Gras is such a big deal here. It's, it's, it's such a big deal. And there's so many traditions that are attached to it. And, and, and just, people are really agitated about the parade route thing and again it and they have been for months now and, and ever since things rolled earlier this year everybody's been wondering you know is it going to be the same next year or are we or are we going to fix this thing um and again it seems like a small thing in the grand scheme of things uh maybe one of the last things that a city should worry about but by the same token Mardi Gras was so critical in, in terms of like quote unquote coming back um, and sort of like making things normal you know post Katrina it was like that uh, post pandemic it was like that um, so I do I really do appreciate you providing whatever clarity you could on that question because it yeah it's yeah I'm agitated, and I'm, <laughs> and I know lots of people on, on Chewbacca who are agitated, and a lot of people on the other crews that are agitated. So well, let's not give Dave a lightsaber then. So <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you, JP, for coming on, and thank you for your time. No, we really appreciate it. So thank you. Oh, it was it was a blast, guys. I I, I don't get to talk expanded expanded universe, you know, legends very often. So oh, it was man. nice talking about. You know, Jason, Anakin, and Jaina Solo with you'll be like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, are you kidding me? Awesome. I, I was gonna say we got to connect you with Michelle Hunter. I, I meant almost mentioned that during the pause earlier, but uh, she's uh, yeah. she's a big EU fan as well. Mm-hmm. One of ours. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, again, thank you, and everybody, thanks for listening. Um, with as always, we will say who dat. And uh, and actually, go Pels. I don't know what the score is right now, but uh, it's all right. They man, they're giving us joy. So, um, but we'll see you all next week.